Hey there, gorgeous, and welcome to the Females on Fire podcast, where we talk all things marketing, business, and personal development. I'm your host, Haley Luckadoo, the marketing coach, motivational speaker, and Dr. Pepper lover with a mission to connect you with the most incredible women I can find and the tools you need to chase those crazy, audacious dreams of yours. So welcome to the club, Firestarter. Now let's turn that spark of an idea into a wildfire of success. Before we dive into this episode, I've got a little something for you. If one of your business goals is to finally leverage email marketing without all the headache, then I've got just the thing. It's Flowdesk, my favorite platform for connecting with my email list and providing freebies to my followers. It's the only email platform I have ever fallen in love with because it's so easy to use, lets you do everything you need to do, and the designs are gorgeous. Here's the catch. Flowdesk is finally coming out of beta. So if you were ever going to join, now is the time. Just use code Haley before November the 2nd and you'll lock in unlimited emails and subscribers at only $19 a month for life. Yes, I said for life. Just click the link below or head to flowdesk.com and use code H-A-Y-L-E-Y before November the 2nd to lock in this steal of a deal. Trust me, your email marketing is going to look amazing after this. You're welcome. And it'll be one of your favorite business purchases ever. Hey, hey, fire starters. I am so excited that you're back. Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for joining us. And boy, have you started with a good one. Today's guest is not only somebody that I admire, I look up to, I have the incredible honor of calling a friend and a fellow business owner, but somebody who is honestly one of the most powerhouse women that I know. She is absolutely incredible, a phenomenal human to everyone that she meets, and truly a champion of small business owners. It is my friend, Natalie Frank Hayes. And if you've been around this podcast for a while, you may or may not remember that Natalie was actually a guest very, very, very early on in the show in the early days of Females on Fire. But I am bringing her back on because she just has some absolutely incredible things going on in her life, including her new book, Built to Belong. And I have started reading it and I love the principles, the ideas, just everything about this book and what it stands for and what I know that she stands for. And so I wanted to bring her back on for us to discuss those things. So if you don't know Natalie, I can't believe it. You need to follow her immediately, but she is an entrepreneur, a mobilization marketer, a community builder, and a neuroscience nerd. She's also a wife, a mama, and like I said, a huge champion of small business owners. As one of the founders of the Rising Tide Society, the head of community at HoneyBook, and the author of Built to Belong, Natalie leads tens of thousands of creatives and small business owners while fostering a spirit of community over competition around the world. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. In Natalie's first time on the show, we talked all about the idea of community versus competition. And we're going to continue that conversation a little bit today, but we're going to be diving so much deeper into Natalie's idea of the fact that you are built to belong. What does that mean? How do you actually find the communities that you belong in and find those people that you are just meant to do life and business with? Because I love to repeat what Natalie says, we are not to meant, we are not meant to do life or business alone. And I truly believe that she truly believes that. And so it's going to be an absolutely incredible conversation today. So 
without further ado, let's go ahead and start diving in. Cause I know this is going to be a good one. It's going to be a juicy one. Let's talk with Natalie about community. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so, so much for being here with me today. Oh, Haley. Thank you so much for having me back. Oh, I'm so excited that you're back. I think it's awesome. For those of you listening, if you didn't know, Natalie was one of my very first guests. I think it's like episode number six, uh, where we talked all about community over competition. So the show has changed a lot since then, um, but she has not. She is still the amazing person that I know from three years ago. And today we're coming back to talk about your new book, Built to Belong, and a little bit about community over competition, a whole lot about loneliness and just community and community building and just how we can find our people, right? And, and not be so alone in this big old world. So I'm so excited to dive in, but before we jump right in, get into all the good stuff, Natalie, tell them a little bit about you. I'm going to keep it really short and sweet, but a little bit about me that you need to know. I have been an entrepreneur for over a decade. I've built multiple businesses. Um, I was a wedding photographer for quite a long part of that decade and ultimately created a community called the Rising Tide Society, which is an incredible community of creative entrepreneurs, freelancers, small business owners from around the world. We have over 70,000 members and hundreds of local chapters. I also work as head of community at HoneyBook, which I love, and I am a first-time author. My book, Built to Belong, as Haley mentions, hit shelves on August 24th. So a lot of hats that I wear, but if I were to boil it all down, I would say I'm an entrepreneur and a mama bear, truly, for small business. I'm also a wife. I have a two-year-old two-year-old toddler that we hope remains somewhat quiet during today's interview, and a little baby who just started kicking me in my belly at the moment. So um, a lot of hats, but a lot of gratitude for just being a part of such an incredible industry and community and, and doing this work every day that I get to do, you know, fighting the loneliness epidemic and supporting people in the pursuit of building sustainable livelihoods. I love it. I love it. I don't know what to say. Congratulations for it. You've got the baby, you've got the book. It's like, Oh we're birthing a lot, Haley. So we're birthing a lot on. this fall. Yes. I <laughs> yes. love it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. A season of birth. It's amazing. Yes. yes. Um, no, that's so cool. I love it so much. And I, you know, rising tide is I've been a member for years and it really truly is such an incredible community. The uh, listeners know I'm obsessed with HoneyBook. It's my favorite thing in the world. Like I couldn't do business without it. So um, it's amazing. You're, you're a huge integral part of like so many, you know, pieces of our businesses and of things that we really love. And, and the thing I love most about the rising tide society is just literally that community and, and how many people I've gotten to meet and even just, you know, meet virtually or on Instagram or whatever that have become really good friends of mine. You know, we call them like business friends, but let's face it, they're, they're friends in real life. Yeah. So, um, and you know, we'll get into that a little bit today, but I just think it's awesome with everything that you've got your hands in. And, you know, we constantly hear this about, oh, well, you gotta, you gotta pick one thing and, mm. and go all in on that one thing. And while I do think you can only kind of focus a little bit on one thing at a time, you gotta be focused and, and know kind of where you're going and have a plan. I think you're such a cool representation of how that kind of multi-passionate, multi-faceted entrepreneur can come together and, and have their, their hand in so many different things, have so many hats on. And as small business owners, as entrepreneurs, let's face it, we do wear a lot of hats. So um, it's just a cool testament to the people who are like, well, I do this, but I really want to do this. And they don't go together. So how do I make right. that work? Like you can, you just have to focus and have a plan. So I love it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think one thing too, just to add it, you know, with being multi-passionate and so many of us are multi-passionate. I obviously, as Haley alluded to, have many things. And that was, and again, that was my short bio. So there are even things beyond that, that I'm an <laughs> yeah. advisor for certain companies. I do consulting and community building. Like I do many things. Um, but, it, but for me, it always boils down truly to like being a part of these, of these communities that are within these different sectors and really getting to know the people and having great mentors community goes both ways, both, you know, people that are your colleagues that are in line with you, but also folks that are a little further advanced that are further down the path than you mentors can be part of that community. So 
it's interesting too, as I look at all the ways I'm multi-passionate, acknowledging I can't do it all well at the same time, but that's where community comes in, like having support and knowing where to show up and when to show up and how I can contribute and make my impact. Um, it allows you to be multi-passionate without the extra side of burnout, which yep. so many of us didn't order off the menu, but gets delivered <laughs> to our table anyway. So oh, yeah. I feel you. Yes. Oh yeah. I think if there's one thing we all have in common, it's, it's that, right? Like mm -hmm. we've all oh, been through sure. the burnout. We know how I'm like, waitress, feels. I didn't ask for this. No, you know, it's like the meme where you're like, I would love a, you know, a slushy. And they're like, is that a sausage McMuffin? You know, it's like, yep. that is truly what it feels like sometimes as an entrepreneur, small business owner, as a human being where you're like, Amen. Uh, waitress, I didn't order burnout on the menu. And she's like, no, no, no. I heard you. You did. Take you listed off 50 things you're doing. <laughs> I just brought you a plate of burnout. Right. So Anyway, I, I feel you. I feel I you. love it. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. Well, that brings a great point up that kind of shifts us right into the conversation I want to get into. Can you, let's define community because I think when we hear the word community, right? Oh, yes. So there's sometimes a connotation attached and we think of, oh, like our local community, right? Like what are, what are you doing in your city or in your town or, or those people or whatever. And I think when we think about like, our digital community. And obviously you want to have those in-person people that you get to love on and that support you. But let's face it, our world's become very digital and we'll probably get into a lot of that conversation. But what to you does a digital community look like? And I don't just mean by definition. I mean, what does it actually look like? How does it show up for you in your day-to-day -day life? And along with that, kind of a two-part question, what would you say to the people who are like, how do I find it? Mm. Mm. Yes. These are great questions. First, I would say whether it's digital or in-person community, community are, are the relationships. They're the relationships that we are connected to and that we find connection within. And those can be close relationships. Think of your innermost. I always um, visualize it in my own mind as a concentric circle pattern. So your innermost circle you know, the folks that are, um, you know, the closest to you that you share the most intimacies of your life with, and then you work your way outward. All of those individuals within that widest of wide spectrums could be considered um, by definition, part of your community. And when we look kind of with a nuanced glance towards digital community, I, I think the same sort of definition applies. It's the human beings with which you have a relationship. Now, Digital community for me has been something that I've learned more and more about over the last decade of being an entrepreneur. And actually in my book, I admit to the fact that I was wrong for a very long time about digital connection and about digital community. I actually, for a very long time, thought internet friends couldn't be real friends. I truly came into, especially building Rising Tide, thinking, well, digital is the problem. Virtual is the issue, right? We need in-person connection. And that's the only answer to solving the loneliness that so many of us experience. And while I still believe in-person connection for me personally is my best way to connect, I've really acknowledged that digital community is powerful. Actually, I think speaking of memes, I'm going to throw random memes in here. My favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite memes is like, no one will cheer for you like a friend on the internet you've never met. Right. Amen. Like no one will support Amen. your endeavors like that random Instagram bestie. Right. Yes. It's so true. And so there is this very powerful and, and yet very misunderstood mm -hmm. um, kind of realm in our lives that is digital community. And it looks like relationships that we make on platforms like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, but it also looks like, you know, virtual events that we attend, educational sessions that we, that we lean into to improve our professional development, our personal development. It looks like online book clubs and like I could go on and on and on, but digital community is not confined to the Instagram scroll. And frankly, I believe that so many of us feel as though, oh, well, if I, Instagram is my community. Well, Instagram might be a community, but for many, it's just an audience or for many, it's just a place for content consumption, which we can talk more about. And therein lies the challenges and the problems that when we talk about comparison, when we talk about feeling more lonely, when we get off these apps that are meant to connect us, right? It's not the apps themselves in so many instances that are causing this loneliness, but it's the way that we've been trained to use them. It's yes. the way that we're, we're picking them up to consume content, not to connect with other humans. And again, we'll go into that more, but, but kind of circling back to what, to what you asked and then moving into how do we find it? Digital community is powerful. Mark my words right now. If you are you, if you're in like 2016, Natalie mindset, which is in-person <laughs> only. Okay. 
first of all, pick up my book and read it because there's a whole chapter on why I was wrong. And and some of it might resonate with you, but also, you know, it is so important for us to acknowledge that digital community does exist, that it is incredibly powerful, that it can transform our lives and our businesses if we are willing to engage with it in meaningful ways and to make those relationships, to maintain and foster those relationships and not to treat it as some imitation of real life, not to treat it as something that is less than, because the truth is it has the power to transform us. And it has for so many people and so many of even my, I, I truly mean that some of my closest friends I've never met in real life, in yeah. person, we've never hugged Same. in real life, but I am, I am, if they launch anything. I am there for them. They want to chat at 2am because they're going through a tough time. Great. Let's talk. And we've done that. And we've experienced that. And oh, yeah. that's only because we've opened up, opened up our hearts and our definitions of what community can look like to include the digital space in new ways. Now, how do you find it? Look, I won't ramble too long on this, but all I have to say is first, it requires showing up. Actually finding digital community will require you to show up, not as a perfected curated version of yourself on the internet, but as the human being that is listening to this or watching this right now, as the person who is navigating the mess and muck of life, who's going through difficult things, it will require you to show up as yourself and not to hide the most unique parts of you behind the screen, not to tuck away the cobwebs of struggle that you have in the corners of your room or in your mind um, and try to sweep them under the rug. It requires you to show up. And so in finding digital community, you know, it, it may look different than maybe you perhaps expected going into it. It may require you to step forward in vulnerability a little more than is comfortable. It may require you to surrender preconceived notions that you have about other people or people you've put on, on a pedestal and compared yourself to. It may require you to tackle that problem in your heart before you approach these spaces. And so, yes, it, pre- it presents great opportunity, but of course, with a challenge to all of us, which is great, we, we always want to grow and um, become better. And so in order to find it, you have to show up and in showing up, you have to be yourself and in being yourself, you have to eliminate notions that fitting in is the path to belonging because it's not, it's about being uniquely you. And sometimes that doesn't mean fitting in. Sometimes that truly means standing out and being different and finding places where that difference is not only welcomed, but celebrated and encouraged. So I know in many ways, very broad, but that's the truth of it, right? That's kind of where we begin. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And I love the point about standing out and, and owning kind of, you mentioned the struggles, right? The, the hard things that you've gone through or the hard things that you're going through or the things you don't know. Right. And I think so often, this has been my experience. Maybe it's yours too. So often I find those people who have become my best friends. They have become my biggest cheerleaders. They are the people that I send voice messages to at two in the morning when it's all falling apart. I'm like, I gotta quit. I don't know what to do. They're those people. I have found them because of the struggles. It's the, the getting on Instagram and saying, you know what? I tried this project and I don't know what I'm doing and it's falling apart. Has anybody experienced this? Those are the kind of little moments and nuances where you find those people. And then it's through that shared struggle or that, that understanding of what the other person is going through that you guys really create that connection and that bond that ultimately makes you colleagues and friends and collaborators and, and internet besties and all of these things. And so, I mean, that's been my experience. Do you kind of agree with that? That Yes, without a doubt. I think, I think one of the other nuances here is that, you know, when we talk about community, I paint it, paint it with a broad brush because it is a, it is a broad, um, you know, potential framework. But when, what, what I'm hearing from you and what I also agree with is that there's also something to be, something to be said for the depth of a relationship. Yes. And so while you could have, you know, a hundred people that you might consider part of your community, um, you might have deep connections with five of them, but I believe those deep connections come from not the fluffy and not the light and not the yes. joyful, 
although that's still important. Joy is still so, so, so important, but actually from those, those intersections of connection based on something deeper, it could be struggle. It could be hardship. It could be a learning. It could be just plain old vulnerability. I'm a mess and I don't know what I'm doing. I'm struggling (laughs) with this. And can someone else just tell me I'm not alone? I can't, how many times in my life I've said that I'm like, this has been so much harder than I thought. Please tell me it's not just me. And someone going, it is not just you. Like none of us know what we're doing. Right. Or, you know, Oh, I totally experienced that too. And sometimes that little introduction can become an intersection that enables deep connection. And I think part of what I've uncovered in so much of this work that I've done in prepping for the book in connecting and interviewing different people is that there's no shortage of opportunities to connect. We know that. Um, but, but even when we do show up and we do do some of those things that we've talked about, some of us are still waiting in the shallow end. And human beings were not created. We, we, our brains are not wired to wade in the shallow end of relationships. We're meant for depth. We're meant to dive off the diving board with no idea how far down the water goes and yes. to continue swimming into the depths of those relationships and to points where, you know, community isn't strongest when things are great. Community is strongest in the struggle. It's strongest in the mm-hmm. hardships of our lives. It's, it's meant to help carry our burdens. We are not meant to bear those alone. And so, yes, I agree with you. And I think so often what, what a lot of folks will say to me is when they say like, I'm struggling with loneliness. And I even wrote about this in my book too. I'm struggling with feeling alienated. I'm struggling with feeling like I just don't have true friends. It's not that they don't have connections and it's not that they don't have shallow and I don't mean shallow in this negative way, but just, you know, shallow relationships. It's that they're longing for the real, real. They're longing for the deep, deep, right? You, you see where I'm going with this? They're longing for the friend that I call, like a 2 a.m. friend, like we've talked about. Yeah. But you can call it 2 a.m. and say, hey, I'm really struggling. Or I think of, for me personally, I have a friend named Jess who um, going through IVF and now her and I are due within a day of each other, both with baby girls. And I think about the experience of her supporting me through IVF and some of the conversations we've we've had that I'm like, I, I've never been this honest with someone. I've never shared such ugly parts of my heart, like parts I don't want people to know that I think or feel or frustrations I have over my own body and all these hardships that, that I sometimes even as someone that tries to be vulnerable, struggle to reveal. And yet yeah. I have a friend now that I can share that with. And I think that's what people want right? It's not just that they want more and, and more and more. All of us have, have, have those opportunities, but it's that we want the real, real, we want something meaningful. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love, first of all, I love all these analogies. They're amazing. Um, this is why I love you. Um, but I, I love this because I think it's again, what we hear this in entrepreneurship all the time, but it's not about the number It's about the quality, right? Quality versus quantity. We hear it all the time, but we hear it in regards to, it doesn't matter how many followers you have as long as they're engaged, right? Mm -hmm. But when it comes to community, do we think the same way? Do we focus on quality versus quantity? You know, it's like you said, you can have a hundred people in your community, that you know that you have some kind of relationship with, but maybe it's a little bit surface level. And five of them, you actually have a really deep connection with. And you can be focused on the fact that there are 95 people in your community that you don't have deep connections with, or you can flip that and say, but look at these five people that I know I can turn to, that I can dig into the really hard stuff with, that I can call it two in the morning or you know, voice message at two in the morning, that I can have these tough conversations with. And so my question to you now is knowing all of this and knowing that we've got to dig deep, we've got to get into the, the roots of those relationships and we've got to kind of dive in unknowing how it's all going to turn out. Let's face it. It never turns out the way we anticipate. It's never what we thought it was going to be, but knowing that what are some steps that our listeners can take if they feel like, well, you know, I'm on Instagram. I'm on clubhouse. I'm on Facebook. I'm in groups. I'm online. I'm doing it. I'm showing up. I'm being vulnerable. She said, show up. I'm showing up every day, but I feel like I don't know how to get into the deep stuff without just asking somebody really random personal questions. What would you say to that? What are the steps they need to take to start fostering those deep relationships? Yes, absolutely. So there's, there's so much I want to say here. I'm going to keep it as limited (laughs) as I can. 
Um, first, I would say whenever you have the opportunity, moving from one to many to one to one. So what I mean by that is in order to create a more deep connection or relationship with someone, it's actually very hard to do that when you're in a space that's one to many. So when we talk about things like a Facebook group, I think that's a great place to begin. But when you want to deepen, you want to go go deeper with somebody or you find somebody like, okay, I need to know this person. We've all had this moment. You're like, wait, either A, how have I never met this person? Two, I need to know more about this person. I feel like we would be best friends. I say this all the time when I meet. So I'm like, yeah. we would be best <laughs> friends. Like we, where have you been all my life? So when you have that moment, right, then it becomes the opportunity to move from one to many to one to one. And so that means shifting into the DMs that actually, when I talk about, and, and more than that is email, phone calls, right? But you start mm-hmm. as a progression, you kind of dip your toe in and you, you start yeah. one interaction at a time. But so often when I talk about things like how we use these platforms, you know, people are like I'm on Instagram, I'm showing up. But my question becomes when you open the app, what's the first thing that you do? And that tells me a lot about ding, ding, ding. yeah, how you're actually <laughs> engaging. Because if you open the app and the first thing you do is scroll, right? We're in a different headspace. We're in a content consumption space. If you open the app and the first thing you do is post, it's a little better. We're, we're moving in the right direction. And actually for a business owner, that might be hundred percent the right strategy. But if we're talking about a community strategy, do you open and either a go to look at who engaged with your content so you can go engage with them back or go right to your DMS because that's where you've been nurturing conversations. So you're going with this. So it's, it's about understanding how we're using these platforms. And my first tip is move from the one to many into the one-to-one. So if you've only been commenting publicly on someone's content, this would be a great opportunity to engage in the DMs with them, whether it's on their stories or in particular, spark up a conversation about what they just posted that resonates with you or, you know, find, and this is point, this would be tip number two, find a point of connection from which you can go deeper. So this could be something super surface level. I mean, this could be truly, like, I think about sometimes we, we, almost swing the other way where we look for the depths of our souls to be bared with the first DM. <laughs> yeah. You know, let it's, it's almost a little bit like dating, right? Like we want to kind of wade into the water slowly. I understand we're talking deep end here, you know, but before we do jump off that diving board, let's make sure that that person is a safe space for you. Let's make sure that, right. you know, we're moving in the right direction of those conversations yes. before we just, um, you know, I always, I, and that's, that's my personality. There are some Enneagram sevens here going not spontaneous enough for me. I'm burying my soul in the first <laughs> DM. And if that's you, Bravo. But this is my advice for maybe people who are not Enneagram sevens, um, you know, starting with some of those conversations, but find a point of connection that you can build on. So it can be something superficial. It can be something like, Hey, I see that you love shopping at target. Did you see the newest collection from so-and-so that just dropped? Like, I feel like you'd love it. Cause you mentioned, um, you know, that you love plants and they just dropped this new plant collection. Or I know that yeah. you're all into like colorful design and there's this new dress there that doesn't look like it's out of the handmaid's tale finally. And we finally have something <laughs> that looks, you know, like it's bringing life to the collection. And you'd be shocked at like finding something very basic, starting that conversation. That's just a little deeper. That's just a little bit more one-on-one. And from there, sparking more, talking more, digging deeper, you know, oh yeah, I haven't heard about that, but I'll definitely go check it out. And then when you're at Target next time, take a screenshot with you. I just thought of you because I saw this, like, you know, just creating, creating those opportunities. And it can start as something very simple. It can start as something very basic, but, but herein lies tip number three, the follow through is critical. So oftentimes what we do is we start these relationships. We start or we join 50 groups. I can't tell you how many people are chronic Facebook group joiners. They're in every Facebook group humanly possible, but yet not really in any of them, right? Like they join them, but then there's no follow through. There's no follow up. There's no, you know, nurturing of that relationship and nurturing is so incredibly critical. When I teach the business side of this right now, we're talking more on the personal, but when I teach on the business side, you know, I actually have quite an unpopular opinion and critique of most business models because most mm-hmm. business models are solely focused on acquisition. The number one goal right. is how do I get someone down to the funnel to the point of acquisition? And acquisition is like, I'm done. I did my job. I converted them. They bought the thing. They subscribed to my course and mastermind there. They purchased the item. I'm done. Whereas, and this is what nurturing is all about both in personal life too. But when we pivot a little with the business lens, you know, I actually believe on building a business model that's based on not just on acquisition, but going even deeper than that and, and working towards evangelism. So I, I care less about like, Hey, how many customers did you convert? Still important, but I want to know how many of those customers converted and then had an extraordinary experience and then wanted to refer their friends and then became the biggest evangelist for what you're doing and became your organic marketing engine that brought more people into the funnel 
that yes. were deeply aligned with whatever you're creating or doing as a business owner. Because I look at brands that have done that well, brands like Airbnb, brands mm-hmm. like Chewy. Chewy is a phenomenal example. Anyone who's a oh, dog yeah. owner knows about Chewy. If you you know use their subscription services, which we do, and you lose a pet, and and you know your your pup passes away, and you let them know, hey, I'm canceling because of this reason, they are notorious for sending flowers to your house with a handwritten note, just saying like, we are so sorry for your loss. They are a, they are a pet brand. And they could easily just say, okay, your subscription has been canceled, right? But they don't. Why? Because they are pursuing relationships with their customers, even Mm -hmm. at a scalable level, even at a brand that is as large as Chewy, which is massive, massive. They still care. They're still putting people first. They're still putting in many ways, community first. And as a result, they've developed this, this group of evangelists that would never order their, their pet supplies or dog food from anyone else, because this brand showed up for them time and time again, when something gets shipped incorrectly, Chewy doesn't say, okay, well now haul yourself, haul that big bag of dog food back to the USPS or back to the, you know, FedEx location and ship it back to us. You know what they say? Can you donate that pet food to a local shelter for us? Mm -hmm. Just drop it off. If you're not going to use it, drop it off at your local shelter, SPCA. Let us know if you need help finding it. We're going to get what you what you did order, and we apologize that we didn't get it to you right away. Like these are these are little actions. But my point being, if we're focused just on the acquisition, if we're focused just on the hey, nice to meet you, great. Now we've connected. What can I get out of you? I'm done. then we're missing the point, both in business and in life. You know, we're missing this opportunity for the depth of a relationship that says, no, I actually care about you. Hey, I know we've been chatting about business, but I also noticed that you just posted that you're going through a really tough time, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to show up for you Um, and, and going above and beyond and doing the surprise and the delight. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be some grandiose gesture. It doesn't have to be the bearing of our souls, but it does mean continuing to nurture relationships, continuing to follow up again, both in business and in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to the point on Chewy, if you think about that, what is it really costing them? Right. I mean, think about it. If they send flowers to your house because your pet passed away, those flowers cost them a couple of dollars. They're a huge, huge, huge company. They're making tons of money. That one bag of dog food that they sent to you that was incorrect, it's not costing them anything, not really. And so I think as small business owners, as solopreneurs, as people with really small teams, often we feel like that customer acquisition is so important because I have to feed my family. I have to pay my bills. I have these really big goals that are not going to fund themselves. And we get so stuck on that acquisition that we're like, well, I do care. I want to show people that I care, but I only have the time to care when it fits on my schedule right? When I can work it into my, my Calendly or my acuity, like to have time to care, because in the meantime, I've got to focus on running this business. And so I, I kind of want to ask you, and you touched on this a little bit, but how do we bridge the gap between the community building, providing the really incredible customer experience, going above and beyond to show these people that we care and show that we want to build these these really in-depth relationships and also being the successful business owner, being the entrepreneur, constantly bringing in the acquisition and actually making money and running successful businesses. So, so much I want to say here first, successful (laughs) businesses put people first, period. I understand that there has been a popularization of the conversation profit first. And actually the ideology behind profit first, I really like, there's a lot of it that I really like. Yeah. But I always will challenge that and say profit often follows putting people first. Rarely have I seen a brand that has truly put people first fail from a revenue perspective. Um, generally there's something else going on, you know, maybe it's that they didn't adapt or innovate or they had, I get it. But, but when I look at like the best brands, one of the things that I often see is, is a, is an understanding of putting people first, always, always exceptions to that rule, but especially in small business, it's one of the things that I see. And then what I would say, you know, to folks that are like, yeah, but I, I, I have to, I have to acquire the customer. I don't have time to worry about the other stuff. Um, I think we've kind of been misled 
I think I truly believe us again, another unpopular opinion. This is like the episode of Nat's unpopular. <laughs> Sorry, Haley. That's what I we'll think, call it. I love it. <laughs> I think we've been misled into believing that if we can't see the immediate ROI of something that it's not worth pursuing. Mm. I think we've been Wait misled <laughs> yep, to, to believe that if it doesn't result in an immediate sale, that it wasn't a success. And I think that that's a lie because I believe very, very fiercely that sometimes the biggest wins don't happen at the point of acquisition. And I actually believe that even if we lose someone today, it doesn't mean that we've lost them for good. Actually, in many instances in businesses that I've coached, that I've worked with, I've witnessed as people say, ah, you know, I can't hire you today. I'll speak from experience as a wedding photographer for years. I'd have people come to me that couldn't afford me as I raised my rates. And as I started to grow in my business and they would say, I'm sorry, I can't afford you. And, you know, I think if we're looking at this from a short term game mentality, if we're playing this very finite game, we would say, oh, well, we lost. I lost the acquisition. I lost, but that's not what happened. What happened is I served them extraordinarily well. Oh my gosh, you can't afford me. Don't worry about it. I actually know a group of five photographers locally who are phenomenal. They just haven't, they've just been doing this a little less time. They're just building up their businesses a little bit more. You know, they're at that, that growth stage, but they're extraordinary. And here's what I'm doing so community. I'm going to refer them. And so that's what I would do is I would still show up and serve that person. Well, I wouldn't just cut my losses and say, eh, not worth me caring about this person. I would do, I would go the chewy route and I would say, Hey, here are five other people that might fit in that budget that you mentioned. I know that I can't be the one to photograph your day, but I would trust any one of them. If it was my wedding, they're all amazing. And if you need more advice on anything, any other local vendors, you know, feel free. Just shoot me over questions. I'm here for you in the whole journey. And let me tell you something that built my business far more than oh, yeah. any other strategy that I implemented that built my business because reputations and loyalty are earned, not bought and Amen. reputations, oh. Right. They are the root of success in a business because people believe people when someone says, you know, I couldn't afford Natalie, but my gosh, she took great care of me. And I wish like my, actually, I literally still to this day, hear people say to me, they'll come up to me because we now live on a, it's a little town. I live in a very small town. I, if you, if you're from here, you know, when I say like people walk up and say this to me, it's a very small town. We all know each other. So people have walked up to my porch and literally said, Hey, I know we've never met, but I actually inquired with you because we sit on our front porch all the time in my little town. Yeah. <laughs> I actually inquired with you for my wedding, but I couldn't afford you. And they'll say like, one of my biggest regrets was not having you at my day because I just, I like, I've, I've loved following you. I adore you. I and mean, I loved our photographer. She was amazing, but I just, I felt so cared for by you, you know, like I've stayed a long lifelong fan, you know, like they're still, they're still yeah. following my business seven years later, six years later even though I didn't, I wasn't the one to win the acquisition. And this is my right. point. When we focus so much on immediate ROI, when we focus so much on, okay, tell me about the win. Of course, that's what's required for the bottom line. Of course, we've got to be generating acquisitions. But my point is there, it's a twofold point. One, even a loss at the point of acquisition can still be a win for the brand if we serve people well. And two, mm. acquisition can't be the last point at which we are concerned with our customer or our client acquisition yes. is only halfway through the relationship. So when we do make the win and we do acquire the customer, that's, that's fantastic. That's the goal, right. Of running the business. But I also say, shift our mindset then to evangelism. What can we do for that person to ensure that when they're working with us or they're taking our course or they're signing up for our mastermind, they're listening to our podcast or they're, you know, whatever it is that we offer, they're signing up for our, our copywriting, um, you know, services, that they have such an extraordinary experience that they actually become the marketing engine that our business, yes. you know, could have that. They're the ones that go and tell their friends, okay, I would have paid three times what I paid for this person because it was like, I was just wowed. I, I can't recommend them enough. Or even on the flip side of that, I've heard a lot of this. I know they're expensive, but you're not getting better than that. That was, it was worth every penny and tenfold. And right. That's what you want people to be saying. So often we think a brand is what we say it is, but that's not true. A brand is what our customers are saying. It is our brand is what they say it is. And so when we serve them well, and we're focused on showing up for people and cultivating relationships and just going the extra mile and putting people first, right. It shapes the way our brand is perceived, not just at the moment of acquisition, but three years from now, when that client is at a different place or that customer is at a different place and someone's asking them, well, who did you use? What was the catalyst for you? What changed the game? And you're the first words off their lips. 
Okay. That's what we're talking about. So I understand when we go, oh, but I just gotta, I gotta worry about today and I gotta, but stop playing the short-term game when there is so much to be won in the long-term. There's so much to be gained. Yes, 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 yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So much we could, I think that could be an entire conversation in and of itself, but I love the way you worded it because I think so often we are focused on those quick wins. And I think that's a really important piece of this to note is if you are focused on building community, on building that customer first experience that comes with building a community, right? And you want your audience, you want your clients, your customers to feel like they aren't, they're not just getting a service. They didn't just buy a product. They have become part of the family, right? They've become part of a community. If you want that, and you also still want a successful business, you've got to recognize that sometimes those things take time. And, and I, I know that from my own personal experience too, I'm hearing you talk and I'm thinking, wow, this is like right alongside, you know, runs parallel to my experience as well, because it's like, okay, you know, you can have a successful business in the beginning, but when you start to like network, when you start to find those people, you can refer each, you know, you, you refer each other, you have those deep conversations, you know, you really get into the, the thick of it all. And when you start to find those customers that you take care of so well, you start to really build on that community. You give people resources and advice and, and open the door for no reason other than you want to, that's when you really start to watch your business scale in ways that you're like, how could, why did I not do this before? Like, I mean, you can, you know, Facebook ads, they're, they're amazing for some people, um, affiliate programs. They're amazing for some people, people are focused on getting testimonials so much, building a great website, having great copy. It's all important, right? It's all important to us as business owners and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, nothing will build your business the way a community will. Nothing will build your business the way other people will. There, I, I truly believe there's nothing that you can do that will ever be better than what they can do, right? Whether it's your audience or your network or both, that community that you're building that's everything. That's what's going to build your business. That's what's going to scale you to your next revenue goal. That's what's going to get you your new customers. That is everything. And it's like you said, you know, that trust, that, that referral, it's, it's something you've got to earn. And so you've got to put that experience into place. And I've always heard it said that you don't want to sell a service. You don't want to sell a product. You don't want to sell a program. You want to sell an experience. And I went to a conference a couple of years ago where we came in as a business conference and they handed out pins. They were like, are you a service-based business, a product-based business or an experience-based business? You know, which one are you? Take the appropriate pin. And I remember thinking, because I had learned this from other people, I remember thinking, aren't we all in the experience business? Like, shouldn't we all be taking experience and product or experience and service? Because that's what it should be. And if you're building that experience and you're consistently focused on that, everything else will fall into place. Everything. I agree. I, I truly can't agree more. I mean, I, even I look, I, yes, we're talking about this in the context of, of community, but even the work I do with HoneyBook, it's, it's the same idea. It's providing someone an extraordinary experience from the moment they engage with your company, the down to like communication time. And like, there's so many nuanced variables here and so many things that we could touch on, but I agree wholeheartedly. And I also think, you know, sometimes we can, we can get so caught up in, in running the day-to-day in like we've talked about in just getting by um, that we don't take a step back and actually map the journey that someone experiences when they come in, in touch with our brand. And right. so this would be a great tactical exercise for anyone who is a business owner that's saying, okay, I agree with you. Experiences matter. I agree with you. Relationships are important. I hear you. Community is going to be the key to helping me to scale in, in incredible ways. And we haven't talked, by the way, side note, we didn't even talk about conversion rates and the difference on conversion rates from an <laughs> ad to a referral. It's not even in the same league. So yep. trust me when I say referrals matter. So you get that and you're like, I'm on board. Okay, but where do I begin? How do I start? How do I actually start? Because I already have processes and I already have a business and, I, and I'm doing well or I'm trying to grow or you know maybe, maybe I'm just getting started. So I want to set it up for success. Where do I begin? 
this is a great exercise. If you've never done this is to actually sit down and go through a client mapping or a customer mapping journey to really start to understand what is their experience like? What is it like for them to discover you? Where are they finding you? Where are they coming from? What is their first impression? Walk through that journey as if you are the client who doesn't even know your business or brand for the first time. You know, Mm -hmm. is it easy to find your email address on the website? Do they yes. know where you're located? Oh if you're geographically you're going with this, where you're <laughs> geographically based, what are they coming across? What are they finding? Are things outdated? This is a, I need to do this because someone mentioned to me today. Oh, you know that picture of your son on your website? He's like an infant. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. he's an infant. He's not an infant <laughs> anymore. So what are what are the first impressions of you that you're you're kind of leaving in, in that space? Then when they inquire, how easy is it? Right? Can they find the email address or if it's a contact form? you know, how, where does that, where does that go? What is that experience like? And you follow that entire customer journey all the way through. And you, you look for points of friction. Where do things get frustrating, right? Where have you gotten feedback that things are frustrating? Have you ever gotten feedback on ways that you can improve? And if you're not asking for ways that you can improve, you may never, you might never find out. Mm -hmm. So again, are you leaving space for people to give you feedback so that they, they can have a better experience or the next client can have a better experience and doing that client mapping and actually going all the way through to start to see, huh, well, that is really a pain point. That was annoying. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't like that. I need to fix that for my client or, huh, I never thought about this would be a great place where I'm already engaging with a client in a questionnaire to ask about you know, what is their favorite candy bar? So that if I'm a service-based business or, you know, I'm showing up and meeting them face-to-face, I show up with their favorite snacks for our meetup, right? Or just like yep. these little nuanced areas where you can start to insert personalization. You can start to optimize that client journey such that it truly is an experience. It becomes something where they're like, I didn't think that when she asked me in this moment about X, that then six months later, she showed up with it or six months later, it came up again, or it was woven into, you know, how my story was told, or it was woven into part of the brand consultation that we did and how she brought in the psychology of, you know, that movie and like why that, she actually took the time to watch that movie or he, he took the opportunity to learn about my favorite book or they did this. So it's, it's, there are so many opportunities when you map out that client experience, you identify the friction points, you identify the points for surprise and delight that can be incorporated into existing processes. We're not adding more work. We're just optimizing what we're already doing. That is a great place to start in a a relationship focused community centric mindset when it comes to customers, because for many in that, in that experience, they are converting. So they're moving deeper into, into your business and into the funnel. And so then becomes these opportunities for, am I equipping them with the tools they need to evangelize? Am I giving them something to talk about when it comes to my business? Am I going the extra mile or not? And how can I, without increasing more work for myself or my team, mm-hmm. all of these are great questions. All of these can be answered with this exercise. And so I would encourage you as a business owner, if you're listening to this, it's a great place to start. And it's a great place where you can take the theoretical that we align with the ideas that you're going, yes, head nod, preach, Nat, I hear you, Haley. Yes. And say, okay, but now what, here's what, right? Here's, here's where we, yeah. we let the rubber hit the road and we, we start to make moves. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. And I think too, you know, you mentioned this is great for your customers. It's great for your network too. It, this is not just a tool to use on your customers. And I actually, I do something kind of, um, a little bit unique that I, I am not likely, if you tell me something in passing, I'm not likely to remember it. Right. You tell me your favorite candy bar that's out of my mind in two minutes. Right. And it's not that I don't care. It's again, we're busy, right? We're so busy. We're do we're wearing all the hats. We're doing all the things we're busy. And so I actually, I started this, uh, maybe a little over a year ago where I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday. It's come, her birthday's coming up. I want to send her something, but I don't even know what she likes. And I was like, I got to get this together. And so I started like the people that really, I start to build those relationships with those kind of deeper relationships. I actually, they don't know how to do this. Um, and it sounds a little shallow at first, but when you think about it, it's kind of cool. I have them in a spreadsheet and every time I find out something that they like, whether it's candy bar or this person's obsessed with Disney or this person really loves the office or whatever. I'll, I'll just like throw that in a line on, on my spreadsheet. And so when I know it's their birthday or when their grandma just passed away and they got on Instagram and they were like, it's a hard day. And I'm like, God, they're going through a hard time. I wish I could do something like 
I, I can refer to the spreadsheet and go, well, Hey, you know, I know they like this, or I want to send like a meal kit to them because they're dealing with a hard time, but I know they can't eat this stuff. They have a peanut allergy or whatever. Like those are things in that spreadsheet that I can refer back to. And when you have things like that, it sounds so weird to do that, right? Like you're listening to people talk and you're like, I'm going to go put that in a spreadsheet. Like it sounds a little odd, but when you can refer back to that and you can meet that person where they are, or you can show up for them in a moment where nobody else did or show up in a way that they never anticipated a stranger on the internet to do. That's when people are like, wow, how did she know? How did they even think about that? I can't even believe they remembered my birthday. We've only ever spoken on Instagram. And that is where you're building that experience. And so, yes, it's a hundred percent everything you just said for your customers, but you can easily use this with every single person that you meet. And that's how you really build those deeper relationships, right? It's not that you have to be paying to send everybody gifts all the time and remembering everybody's birthday, but it's those little things, those little moments to go above and beyond where people are like, wow, I didn't realize this person knew me that well. I didn't realize this person cared about me that much. This person showed up when nobody else did. And I think that when you really get into what community is about, and especially what community over competition is about, that's where it is. It's how do I build a better experience? How do I show up better for people? And I think if you're asking yourself how to show up better every single day, eventually it all falls into place, right? The revenue goals, the scaling, the more customers, the, the more time on your hands to do more, it all falls into place because of the clients that you've served so well and the network that you've built so strongly because of those experiences. Ooh, ooh, so much gold. And can I just say too, I love that you talk about the spreadsheet because this is actually something I do too. Now I use my spreadsheet, yes. but- as someone who has attention deficit disorder, as someone who yep. has issues with object permanence, I often joke like, and actually <laughs> I'll, I'll admit something right now. So I like, my husband won't let me carry our credit card on me because of the number of times I've lost it. Okay. Oh, no. Because if I don't put it right back where it, I found where it's supposed yep. to be, I've, I mean, I've lost it numerous times. So like, I'm allowed to have it on my phone. Um, you know, but I can't, <laughs> I can't even take the card with me because object permanence, if I put it down on the counter, I'll lose it for it's two gone. months, you yeah. know, it's gone. So I say this just to reassure anyone who's listening and going, you know, oh, but, but is do is having a spreadsheet or keeping notes, you know, is that too strategic? And does that feel icky? I'm telling you tools, help us tools, help yes. us to remember tools, yes. help us to be intentional. And so I actually am a big advocate. I'm a big advocate for knowing what is best for you to be able to keep track of relationships you care about and people that you care about. And, and I'll yes. even share one of the little things I do. Um, it's right here behind my computer. I, I actually will keep lists often of like five to 10 people. I try to keep it to five, but sometimes there's a couple more, um, where each month I write down five names and I intentionally make those people the focus of any kind of extra time that I have where I can engage on social. So, oh, you know, it's just that. my way to love on them. And these aren't, and I'll say it, these aren't strategic relationships. These relationships are not going to bring me anything in my business. It's, it's not an influencer strategy. These are five people that either I've come across and I think they're doing great work. Five people that I got wind are having a difficult time. Um, five people that like it, it's, it's wide in the reasoning of why. But I put their names literally right behind my laptop. I rotate it out. I try monthly. Sometimes it's a little longer, depending on the season. I give myself so much grace. It's not like a strategy. It's just a way of being intentional. And I, whenever I have that five minutes, and this is when we talk about how we're leveraging our devices, we all have five minutes. You can sit there and scroll TikTok videos, okay? Or you can use that five minutes and say, and it's, it's what you need in that moment. I get it. Some of us are like, oh, Nat, I don't have the emotional capacity to engage with people. For I hear you. Okay. Trust me. Toddler mom. I hear you business owner. I hear you human being. I hear you. Like I, I get it. But when you do have the emotional capacity, having those names right there to say, these are the five people I'm going to love on this month. These are five people that I really want to deepen that connection with this month. These are five people that I want to get to know. Like, are these going to be my new besties, right? Like can, or start can with we one. go there and, oh, start and always one. starting with one, right? Like yeah. you can simplify this down to what you need. So yes. my point being, don't be afraid of, of leveraging tools that help you to, yeah. to, to be more intentional when you want to be, or to ensure that you, you feel a sense of, of, of ability when you feel called mm -hmm. to love on somebody. And I love, that's what you're saying. Like I, I keep notes or if I get their address one time, I put it here so that I know when I want to send something I can. Yeah. Um, 
all of that just gives you ability and agency so that yes. if and when you want to engage, if and when you have the opportunity to, to support someone in a deeper way or connect with them in a deeper way, that you have it, you have access to it. And I, I love that. I think, I, I don't think enough people share that, you know, I think there's a lot of fear around, oh, but I don't want to, I want it to seem spontaneous. And I, I don't think that leveraging tools to help you um, just in the same way that we use our Google calendars, like I'll throw people's birthdays on the Google calendar. Or if someone yep. mentions to me, oh, you know, my launch for my, my course is next week. Yeah. I'm not going to remember next week on Wednesday that they're launching their course. And I don't want to be right. caught off guard at the end of the day, seeing that I missed it. So I yep. throw it on my Google calendar. I throw a little reminder on the Google calendar. Hey, Haley's launching her course next Wednesday. Um, you know, make sure to give her a shout out on stories in the morning or just slip into her DMS and encourage her before it all gets underway. Yeah. And those are, those are the little tactics that we can use too. very, again, very tactical, but, but with intentionality and, and out of an abundance of, of love for others that I think can go a really long way. And that take that stress off our shoulders. Like we don't feel like we're dropping the yes. ball. We don't feel the guilt. We should feel no guilt and shame period, but the guilt and the shame that sometimes comes with, Oh, I missed her birthday. Oh, I missed that thing. And I really wanted to, I've learned my lesson was as, as just who I am, um, that I got to write it down or I got to have a list or I got to have a way to, yeah. to stay connected. So no shame in that yeah. either. Oh, and I know, I know we're kind of wrapping up because I've kept you for, for so long now, but I feel like we could talk about this forever. Yeah. Um, but two things out of that, I want to say one, you said it's, it's not strategic. It's never going to help my business and it's not for you. It's not strategic for you, but I guarantee it will help your business. Right. At the end of the day, doesn't it always to have one more raving fan, to have one more deep connection, to have one more person who's willing to shout your name from the rooftops when they find out you're writing an amazing book, when they find out you're launching something, right? That's one more person in your community who can say, she showed up for me and now I want to show up for her. Yes. And I think to clarify that, what I mean is the intent. Yeah. So what I mean is, so like the output, yes, it totally, I believe, and obviously I believe that when we're good to people, it always comes back to us. Right. But my point being with some of these things that we're doing, I think it's easy for us, some people, I mean, I'm an Enneagram three, so I have to constantly check myself. Um, it's easy for us to sometimes go, oh, but if there's no strategy, what's the ROI? And my point is the intent is not ROI. And the intent is not, if I'm nice to this person, they're going to do something for me. The intent is pure community, pure relationship, pure. Yes. I just want to love. And of course, when we show up with that mindset, it comes back to us. So I want to clarify the intent being, it's not a business strategy. The intent being, this isn't someone with a bigger platform that I'm trying to woo in some way, right? Like, no. Yeah. And it goes back to what you were saying before you put people first, then people will put you first, right? When you put people first and you focus on, I just want to show up. I just want to love on yes. people. I just, yes. I just want to be there for these people and build these deep relationships. Then they will show up for your business. Um, the other thing I just wanted to say is in terms of like the spreadsheet or the writing it down or whatever you mentioned, like, you know, yeah, that like might feel icky or it might feel too strategic or whatever, but what are your options here? Does it feel too strategic and a little bit icky to write it down? Or does it feel like you don't care if you forget about it? Right. Which one's worse, right? Like which one, which person do you want to be? It's like red pill, blue pill. Which one do you want? Like. So for me, and obviously for you, we've always thought I would rather write things down, let that feel how it feels, do what I got to do to be able to show up well for people versus not show up for them at all. And so if you're listening and that's you and you're thinking, I just don't feel like good about that. Like she said, find out what it is that works for you. What is that process? Is it writing it down? Is it a spreadsheet? Is it a Trello board? Like, what is it that works for you? And utilize those tools and utilize those resources because whatever helps you show up better for people, that's, that's not icky. That's not a problem. That's not strategic, right? That's helping you show up better. And that's the end goal. That's, that's this conversation, right? Like that's the game here is how can we show up better for other people? So I love this, Natalie, this has been amazing. I, like I said, I feel like we could talk about this forever. Um, but if you guys want more of Natalie, if you want more of this conversation, this is hundred percent what the book is about. I am on like chapter three or four and I'm already obsessed. So, uh, built to belong comes out August 24th. You can go pre-order it now. If you're listening to this before August 24th, go pre-order it. Oh yes. All you have to do, you can go to nataliefrank.com slash book, but yes, yes, yes. And just 
I'm so grateful. Haley, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you to everyone who's listening. Just truly, truly excited for this conversation and what this can do for our lives and our businesses. Yes. Yes. And that's what I love about you is you're always just like, I'm excited for how this is going to help the world. Like I'd be like, I wrote a book. (laughs) I love it. It's amazing. Go, we will put all the links in the show notes too, but go pre-order the book, go buy the book. Trust me. It's, it's worth it. It's amazing. It'll be the best money you've spent all year. It's so, so good. So good. Uh, but before we wrap up really super quick, I have a fun lightning round that I always ask our guests. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't think I did this back on episode six. So these will be new to you. Uh, so really quickly, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it. What is your favorite part of your morning routine? Coffee. <laughs> That's the truth. I know someone's going to say something much more eloquent. My favorite part is, oh, coffee. we get coffee. I love all the it. Time. Do you? Yeah, it's the truth. I love them. And I look, I'm obviously pregnant. So I, I live it myself to one cup a day. Don't go panicking <laughs> everyone. But um, I love it. There's something nostalgic about it. My grandmother used to give it to me as a little kid with tons of milk and sugar. Oh, I love that. And so it, to me, has always kind of just felt like a new day, a new start. Got to go with oh, the coffee. I love that. That's so cool. All right. What is the last book that you read? Don't say your own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually, I won't say my own. Um, last book that I read. Um, oh, you know what it was? It was Rachel Rogers book. Um, Ooh, Yeah millionaires. It's well, it's over here somewhere, but it's like, we should all be millionaires by Rachel Rogers. And by the way, I highly recommend and love that book. I thought it was, especially for women in business. Yeah. Um, it was really impactful. There's a lot of, a lot of gold in there. I haven't read that book yet, but I just love her. I love yeah, she's following great. her. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. <laughs> all right. Which brings me to my next question. Who is one account on social that you're just, you're obsessed with them right now. You think everybody should go follow them. All right. I'm going to give you two. The okay. first is Mina B. I love Mina B. M I N A A B. Check her out. Um, she talks a lot about many things, uh, but just ugh, the wisdom and the poetry and the eloquence. Nice. You'll love her. The second is Sharon Says So. I've become a huge <laughs> governor over the last couple of weeks. And she just launched a podcast too. Um, just interesting, especially if you're into government politics. Yeah. You want to kind of, you're curious, you want to lean in. And she also talks about things like humpback whales. So it's, it's just always an interesting conversation over there. So those would be my two. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. All right. What is, and I feel, I feel like it's going to be hard to choose, but part of me laughs because I know who you work with. Um, (laughs) What is one tool or resource for business that you recommend to everybody? You swear by it. You love it. Well, you know, I have to say HoneyBook because I, I obviously <laughs> believe it and I work there. I I'll add an extra for you because that one was expected and obviously will always be my favorite tool. Um, but I also want to say Flowdesk. Highly recommend yes. as, as an email marketing oh, platform, yes. Flowdesk. I mean, it's a women-led bootstrapped startup. I mean, the, the CEO of Flowdesk, Martha Batar, worked with me at HoneyBook. So we've, we've worked together for a very long time. And Rebecca is one of my best friends who's um, their, their head of product. So I... I can't recommend Flowdesk enough and the people and the product. And also I, I know what's coming down the pike for Flowdesk. So I'll just say, get in now, uh, subscribe now because Ooh, what they're building is, uh, secrets. it hasn't been done the way they're doing it. So I'm very excited for them. Yeah. Honeybook and Flowdesk. Those are going to be my two all day, every day. I love it. And talk about customer experience. Those two companies, they're nailing it. They're amazing. Yeah. All right. Last rapid fire question. And this one's tough. What is the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Don't be the best, be your best. Mm, My mama used to tell that that to me and I don't know where she got it, but I wrote about it in the book. Don't, don't strive to be the best. Don't think that if you're not getting the gold medal, you haven't done a good job. Don't think that if you're not, you know, you have the most followers or the most money or whatever the best looks like, you know, no, just focus on being your best. And that means being better than the person you were yesterday. Right. That means be focusing on what you uniquely have to offer and how you can show up in the world as, as your best. And, and that often means the healthiest version of you, not, you know, the most applauded version of you that often means right. Being, being the version of you, you need to be for you. Um, and so that advice has really carried me far, especially as an Enneagram three achiever who feels the tendency yeah. to be the best. Like it's a challenge to kind of check what my success definition is and check where I'm placing that finish line. And, um, really acknowledging the, the honorable journey. So 
I love that. Oh, I love that so much. I heard somebody say years ago, and I I wish I could remember who it was, but I think I just kind of heard it in passing and I'll never forget it. Do the things that feed your soul, not your ego. And I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, I love that. I want that on my wall and everything, <laughs> right? Like, and that just, ah, that sums it up, right? Like do your best, like do the things that feel good, do the things that feel right. And at the end of the day, you know, you've done your best and that's the best you could do. And that's mm-hmm. all anybody can ask for. I love it. Oh, this has been amazing. Tell everybody where they can find you. Cause you know, they're going to want to, they're going to want to pre-order the book. We're going to put all these links in the show notes but tell them where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me anywhere just by my name. So Natalie Frank, so nataliefrank.com at Natalie Frank on any social platform. Um, and then as we talked about the book, nataliefrank.com slash book, or you can search for built to belong wherever books are sold. And I truly mean that now we, we have some great retailers behind us. So it's awesome. Um, and then I'd also encourage too, like we've talked about so many things. I know you're gonna have show notes, but you know, rising tide society, a great community to get plugged in Honeybook, another great community and platform to get plugged in for business owners. So I exist in those spaces too. feel free to come find me, um, in any or all of the above, and just let me know how I can support you. I love it. I love it. Let me know how I can support you. That line tells you everything you need to know about Natalie. You guys, <laughs> I love it. Natalie, thank you so, so much for taking a little time out today. I know it was a little longer than we even anticipated, but Thank you so much. Number one, for the way you show up for other people and the way you show up for the communities that you're in. It's incredible. It's such a testament to what a leader should look like, what an influencer, you know, and I say that with air quotes should look like it's, it's a testament to who we should strive to be as people every single day. And I loved to watch you show up for other people. It's amazing. Number two, for just giving your time and your wisdom today and so much wisdom in this book. I hope everybody goes and pre-orders it and buys a copy for a friend. You want a deep relationship, send them another, send them a copy of built to belong. That's, that's how you do it. But thank you so much for everything. Thank you for having me. That's it for this time. Don't forget to head over to the show notes at femalesonfirepodcast.com to grab bonus content from our guests, support the show, or grab your Females on Fire swag. If you loved this episode, give us a quick shout out on Instagram by tagging at Females on Fire. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode to keep you fired up for those big dreams.